Benedict Bandersnatch. <laughs> Crumple Patch Wonder Dick. Um, <laughs> That's the cold open. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Done. <laughs> so, you know, let's, this this episode of The Rewindables, starring Crumple Patch Wonder Dick. Um, <laughs> Hello and welcome to An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies, the podcast that will self-destruct in 28 days, 6 hours, 42 minutes and 12 seconds. I'm Ian, Whitt- I'm Ian Whittington and as always, this is the man who often wonders why he's wearing a stupid man suit, Sean Ferrick. That's very true, that is exactly what I tend to wonder. Why am I wearing this man suit? I am a boy child with so a beard. So what you hear is people saying, why are you wearing a stupid man suit? What they're actually saying, Sean, is why are you wearing a stupid man suit? Um, um, discounted at the, at, the, at the shop, it's all they had lift. You just, you, lift? It's what? all they had lift? Alright, no, they're right. Why am I wearing a stupid it's man suit? It's all they had lift. Yeah. It sounded like you were doing a bad impression of your own accent. Let it all that eat a fiddle-dee-dee for tables. Oh, it's been a while. It's been a while since um, I insulted your accent. A while it's been. Love it. That's true. So, welcome to the Rewindables Part 3 series. Um, That was a weird way to say that. Welcome to Part 3 of the Rewindables series. Um... That, 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 that is true. If anyone is wondering if our voices sound softer than usual, it's because one of us, I'm not saying who, but he wears a stupid man suit, possibly was a little bit late and we were recording this at stupid o'clock at night. It's good fun. Yeah. Love. Through shenanigans, um, there are multiple reasons why we are recording two hours later than we should be. Um, part A, stupid man fell asleep. <laughs> There, like I, I have no excuse. Like I literally, I lay down. Long, long boring story. I back problems, so I lay down to, uh, you know, stretch out my back. That was fine. I was like, it's grand. I lay down at, you know, an hour before we were due to record. Totally fine. St- I, I woke up exactly the length of the movie later. Yep. So that was good. But I got an extra episode yeah. of Star Trek Voyager in. So that was fine. Oh, that's always good. You told me you were annoyed. You got extra voyage. All right, now, now I'm not sorry. sorry. Part B of the yeah. story is that the the, the oh, version of the film that we, I say we, that Sean had, fantastic, loaded it up. Donde esta la Doni Daco? Oh, it was in like... Italian. I know that was Spanish, but yeah, fully Italian. No <laughs> subtitles, I was... nothing. Nothing. Like, I, I, I actually think we were, we were of a mind where... If there had yep. been subtitles, we might have just cracked It was cracked getting on. late, so I thought, you know what, we'll just read it. We know the film pretty well anyway, um, so we'll just read yeah. it. But no, it's fine. We soldiered on, so we, we purchased it from Google Play. Um, nope, that, that didn't, didn't work. work either, because we decided <laughs> to screen share it, um, and that was just laggy as heck. Um, so I went onto Amazon Prime and realised I'd already purchased this movie. <laughs> and since I, I don't is... have an internet connection oh. from 1979... Um, I was able to screen share, and that's how we eventually got to watch the film. I do not understand how bad my so internet mad. is sometimes. I so really so don't. Mad. I am literally three foot away from the modem. But yeah, anyway. So we eventually started watching. I believe we were supposed to sit down to record at about eight, and at about half ten, we started yes, watching indeed. the movie. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Thankfully, we love this film. Well, I love um, this film. We'll get into that. But first, should we yeah. do some news? I think we should do some news. To the news, Ian! 
News Team, assemble! So, news. Um, news. There's news. There's um, a... I, I very nearly... Because I was looking for some news, and I very nearly put a Snyder Cut news thing in again, and I've decided no. Unless you specifically want to talk about the Snyder Cut again, I am not going to do that. Um, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I suppose just the the latest in the Ray Fisher drama that came out there on, I think it was Thursday? Yeah. The Walter Hermada, like the fact that, I mean, this is not a shock, but he has been written out of the Flash I don't know, that just seems like everyone just... It just seems like... What a horrible situation. Yeah, everyone loses there. Um, yeah. It's such a murky, murky thing. We talked about it in the Wonder Woman review. Um, yeah, it, it's horrible. The, um, the the thing I was going to say was that the, the Snyder Cut now isn't going to be a miniseries. It's actually going to be kept as a film, as a four-hour film. So they've backpedaled again. <laughs> Oh, okay. I actually didn't see that news. It was literally today or yesterday that Snyder's elaborated on it. And I don't know whether that's a reaction to something, but cool. And, well, good. We've just spent a minute talking about the Snyder Cut when I said we wouldn't. <laughs> so, moving on. Um, way more interesting is that Amazon have finally released a Lord of the Rings um, synopsis for the TV show that they've spent £7,000 trillion pounds or dollars um, trying to secure. Um it's not as groundbreaking as I was hoping it was going to be, but it's kind of cool. Um, it's going to be set a few thousand years before The Hobbit. I think that was pretty much the what was expected. Um, but it made, made me chuckle that it said it will it will feature brand new faces and some familiar ones. And I was like, thousands of years? But then, yeah, it's kind of like the elves and Gandalf and yeah. shit. Like, yeah, like that's, that's I mean, that, that's pretty much it. You, you've got, you know, uh, Galadriel... Elrond, Gandalf. You could have uh, Radagast as well. That's true. Um, uh, Yeah, basically the elves and the Istari. Um, I'm trying to think. No, because Sauron... Because it's really more Morgoth's time, I think. Um, How long ago is Sauron from Lord of the... From where the Fellowship of the Ring, for example? Are we talking thousands of years? I think it's a thousand years. It's it's, it's a thousand years between Isildur and... Um, and the third age. Yeah. So, uh, oh man, I mean, somebody could still be around. Somebody's screaming at the podcast right now, just going, "You assholes!" It's this. No, hundred percent. And, and if that's the case, please, please do drop the podcast. <laughs> I, I absolutely love this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I'm just, I for, for whatever reason with Tolkien facts, I don't seem to retain them as I do with Star Trek facts. You know, yeah. I can tell you the exact length of the Enterprise's warp core. And <laughs> Wait, yes, no. you know. What, concealed or the bit that you can actually see in engineering? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column yeah. B. Um, but no, I, yeah, I think it's because we're not exposed to it as much. But it's, um, yeah, it says, da, 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 the epic drama is set thousands of years before the events of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. We'll take views back to an era in which great powers were forged, kingdoms rose to glory and fell to ruin. Unlikely heroes were tested, hope hung by the finest of threads, and the greatest villain that ever flowed from Tolkien's pen threatened to cover the world in darkness. So I feel like it is following Sauron then. Oh, that's gonna be no. That's gonna be Morgoth. Morgoth. All oh, right, sorry. Oh, yeah, man. this is um, where I really fall to bits. Then. So yeah, so basically, Morgoth 
is where Sauron comes from. Like, Sauron was a lieutenant of Morgoth. Right, got you. Okay, man, I need to read um, this. Uh, and, well, now, it, so it, it looks like they'll be doing a lot of the Silmarillion. Yeah. Um, and that is, in fairness, not the easiest book to read. No, I've heard it's pretty um, dense. It's like basically a medical textbook. A bit, yeah. Like, it's really, really interesting, yeah. but it, it doesn't have the same kind of story flow that, say, The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings does. Yeah doesn't kind of go chapter um, to chapter it's more like a this uh, is the history uh, appendix one appendix two abyss yeah yeah actually that, that that would be a good description and like obviously fascinating and very interesting and everything but you know it's a bit like it's how would i describe it you might pick up and read the hobbit to your kids you wouldn't pick up and read <laughs> the silmarillion to you. i'm sure sorry many people oh, did and more power to Challenge you accepted. but yeah. <laughs> the hungry hungry caterpillar nope sorry put that shit down that's cool I'm really excited for that um, that is going to be high on my list of TV shows to watch definitely I will 100% be there for that as long as it's nothing like The Hobbit um, moving on uh, Deadpool will 100% definitely be in the MCU and I am um, this is my top bit of MCU news I absolutely love it um, Brian Reynolds tweeted, by the way, I showed them Spider-Man 1 and 2 and told them it was Deadpool 1 and 2. We're in. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's so good. That's brilliant. I hadn't seen that. That's great. Yeah, right. Ryan Reynolds will be... He's con- they're writing the script right now. He's consulting on the script and they're due to film... So, oh, Kevin... Is it Feige or Feige or Feige? I think it's Feige. Feige. Good. So, Kevin Feige um, <laughs> will be... What is, what is it saying? No, yeah, so he said that it will definitely be R-rated. Um, and all he said was it won't be filmed this year. Which is like, cool, great. It also won't be filmed in the 90s. But that doesn't tell me anything, sir. <laughs> it could be filmed next year or it could already have been filmed. So I would... Uh, oh, actually, that's yeah, that's a better good enough to point, work. I guess. I um, guesstimate 2023 that's going to come out. But yeah, an R-rated yeah, film so. in the MCU, I'm there. That's awesome. And it's funny as well because now this bit it's not exactly news, but it's sort of, huh? Um, Kevin Feige again in the last couple of days have said that they are really seriously looking at X Men now and how to bring that in. Yeah. So I don't know if these two announcements are related. You know, is maybe Deadpool going to be a way of you know bringing the X Men in because obviously the X Men cameoed in Deadpool two. It's your easy link, isn't it? Um, it's going to be yeah. parallel dimensions and. Rips in the fabric of space-time is how it's going to happen. Their biggest... I don't think their biggest challenge is how they write the X-Men in. It's how they recast it for the third time. Um, yeah. Because both times round have been good. It's not like you've got a dud cast to pull from. Um, yeah, the way they handled Storm was pretty ridiculous. Um, other than in Days of Future's past. Um but yeah, it's oh man, it's going to be hard to to recast these classic people, especially Wolverine. Although I'm sure you just you ring up Hugh Jackman and he'll come and do it. Yeah, that's true. It's the one consistent yeah. thing. Come in for a scene where it's like, and now the witch casts a spell and you change your face. Yeah, exactly. Just CGI. Oh, speaking of bad CGI, what did I see that didn't work? Aquaman. But we'll come on to that in a minute. Okay. Um, so yeah, how do you start for Deadpool? Did you like the? Deadpools? Oh yeah, like I loved. Yeah. The first two Deadpool films. Love them. Um, the first one is still one of the most fun I've had at the cinema in a long yeah. time. Um, and two was uh, like 
refreshingly good sequel. Yeah, exactly. It was different. Um, different enough from the first one. Um, I still don't think it's going to be fully entwined with the MCU. I don't think we're going to see him high-fiving Thor or the Hulk or anybody. I think it's it's still going to be mm. something that they tell the kids not to go and see because there will be there will be sex. <laughs> yeah, and it, obviously the the MCU it's so established now in terms of tone. Like, yeah, I don't think you would have we slot in Deadpool and now suddenly everybody swears. Yeah, no, it's not going to happen. Nope. Um, right, the, the next bit of news, I'm, I'm, it, again, I was reluctant to put it in, um, but it's been up on the internet quite a bit. Mortal Kombat um, has released some pictures. How do you feel about that? Uh, it's it's a film, is what it is. Yeah, I, um, we're on the same page. I mean, the the, the, the original, the Paul w, I think it's the Paul W.S. Anderson one, um, yeah. that is fun, it's silly, it's not good. But it's like, ah, yeah, I could enjoy that. But it is heralded as the comic, not comic book, sorry, the video game adaptation success, isn't it? Is it? I mean, it might be. I think it is. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's the thing. Oh, well, I could be wrong. It is now, according to this podcast, it is. Done. Considering 50% of the hosts have seen it and 50% have not. <laughs> but I'm just not, yeah, I'm not. Maybe it's because I haven't. I've played the game a little bit, so I know the characters. I know Sub Zero, Jax, and looks at Notepad, the other people. Goro um, has the arms. Um, I mean, I think they all have arms. Uh, you would think so, but no, 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 no. No, perhaps perhaps some of them don't. Sorry, that's very armish. It is me? very. Yes, yes. Barely 10 minutes into the podcast, we're getting you cancelled already. Bloody hell. Yeah, fine, yeah. do it. It's nine minutes overdue. It's a film. It's yeah. Listen, I, I find I really yeah. struggle to get excited about video game transferences to film because so many have been absolute pile of nonsenses, and I don't understand why it's so hard. I really, really don't. I think it's it's so difficult um, to the point where I'm, I'm I'm sure there's one or two will pop into my head now. Now that I'll say I can't think of a single good one, but it's trying to capture the spirit of the game which is when you have control over the characters obviously the story is mm-hmm. written and you know you you have to yeah. meander your way from a to b to c um but how do you transfer that over into a film where your control is taken out of it unless you do a you know a netflix you choose the next scene kind of bandersnizzle route. yeah uh, bandersnizzle. uh which is you know okay benedict bandersnatch <laughs> crimple patch wonder dick but uh <laughs> That's the cold open. Oh, brilliant! Done. So you know, let's, <laughs> this this episode on the Rewindables, starring Crimple Patch Wonder Dick. Um, I remember. I don't know if you uh, remember this in the late, be the very late night. I think it might even have been kind of ninety nine two thousand. There was a TV series of Mortal Kombat. Now I've not revisited yes. it since, but I remember enjoying that. I remember of it. I did not watch it. Good conversation. Good chat. Okay, let us never <laughs> speak of this again. Indeed. Now, there's a couple of reasons I'm sceptical. James Wan is producing, which I'm fine with. That's yeah. cool. James Wan knows how to throw together an action that film. That he does. I trust him with this. Um, Simon, what's it? Simon McQuoid? McQuoid is directing it. Okay. Now, I recognised the name, so I was like, oh, he must have directed some things. It, video games. He's directed video games, which is cool, but this is his first big feature film. So mm-hmm. it is like... Oh man, Warner Brothers, you're definitely you're doing a thing here, aren't you? This is quite a gamble. It's almost like nobody was brave enough to put the name to it. 
But this guy will do it. Mm, I don't know. I mean, I understand that, you know, because the last Mortal Kombat film, Annihilation, I mean, it's won some titles, but none of the titles you'd ever want. No, they are they are all films that have been made. That is that is very true. Um, listen, do you know what? Actually, there is there is an online. Um, I think it's on YouTube, and I don't know if it's a series of videos or if it's like a fifteen minute short, and it's like a gritty reimagining of Mortal Kombat. It might be about ten years old now. I think Jerry Ryan was in it, and I think I know. I've definitely seen this. Very good. Is yeah. So it can be done. Um, Anything can be done. Like they, they, there is. It's a story, basically, isn't it? And you can turn the story into a good film. I just don't know why video games just seem to be now. We're going to make this a heaping pile of a heaping pile of turd, or or a heaping pile of purd, as I was about to say. I like it. I like it. But yeah, coming out April ish. Apparently, going straight to HBO Max and cinemas. So, yeah, because that yeah, was their thing, was it? The announcement—it's like everything is doing. It's on the same day. Like you'll get a cinema release and yeah. an HBO Max release on the same day. Yeah, you get a HBO Max release and you get a HBO Max yeah. release. Uh, yeah, it's cool. I'll watch it, but I'm I'm like kind of not too sure why it's so huge in the news. Um, says the people that just reported it in their news segment. Absolutely <laughs> cool. Uh, let's talk about Mortal Kombat some more. No. Um, have you got some films to recommend? What did you watch this week? I I watched a film called Black Bear, which stars Aubrey Paza, Christopher Abbott and Sarah Gadden. Um, it is... It's weird, cool. and I like it. So it's um, it opens up with Aubrey Plaza's character, um, Alison, arrives to stay with this uh, married couple. Uh, they're effectively, they have this big house on a lake, right? And they kind of open their doors to, you know, artists for retreats. Um, and Aubrey Plaza is a director and actress who, you know, basically comes to get away from it all. And it's like we we were sitting there watching it, the pair of us, and we were like, "Okay, yeah, this is grand. Oh, okay, this 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 took a twist. Okay, this is gr- wait, what? <laughs> it goes hard left. It goes hard left. About yeah, I, w- I won't say how long in or whatever. And then you kind of you spend the rest of the film going like, "The hell? Is- what? What's happening? <laughs> Who's that? What? <laughs> uh, but." In quite an enjoyable way, um, it's it's got its tongue firmly in cheek, um, and I it's about an hour for it. It's kind of it's the right length. Okay. It's kind of any longer, it'd spoil it. Any shorter, you would have been you would have been like, the fuck! I just watch. Oh, this came out this year. Um, I'm sorry, this came out last year. Yes, yeah, it's new. Um, Overplus is brilliant in it. Um. And uh, I think most people might know her from Parks and Rec. Yeah. Oh, I love Aubrey yeah. Plaza. She's brilliant. This mm. sounds like a, such a weird film. It is a weird film. It is a weird film. Definitely go in spoiler free. Yeah. Highly highly rated, though, on Rotten Tomatoes and whatnot. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to... I may watch that. That sounds really cool. You've piqued my interest. Have you, have you got another one? Or shall I do one? Um, no, you, you, you go now. Like, what else have I watched? No, you, you go now. Oh, I do have a couple of things. Sorry, but you, you go now. You go now. Um, 
I've got a film I'm going to gush over. I watched Tag, which came out, um, I think, a couple years ago, actually. Um, Tag came out in 2018. So this is the um, 30-year-long game of Tag um, with Jeremy Renner, John Hamm, Isla Fisher, Ed Helms, and Jake Johnson, and Hannibal Buress, who I've never seen before, but he was really funny in this. Um, it is hilarious. This film, like, I, I went in with very low expectations because it's gimmick. This is like the Emoji movie. It's like really take a game and just make a film out of it. Not everything has to be a film, but this is friggin' hilarious. There are moments that are so out of the blue <laughs> that just lit, like I'd burst out laughing. Because um, the, especially the first half an hour, which gives you loads of tag montages um, and the elaborate shit they do together. Um, and they've really paid attention to the rules of tag. So I I absolutely had egg on my face because um, Ed Helms is chasing somebody and I'm like, yeah, but Ed Helms isn't it. So what are the rules of this? Can you just touch anybody? And so the, the idea is that once a month, um, sorry, once a one month of the year, so every May for 30 days, they're playing tag, the game is on. And then whoever is it at the end of the month loses. And there's nothing to it other than that. It's you lost, you're the loser. So Ed Helms is not it. And I'm like, why are you chasing him? And then it has a little twist and everything is right with the world. And I'm like, I will now shut up for the rest of the film. I will not mm. analyse anything. I trust you. Movie, you have my trust that you have analysed the games of Tag. You have incorporated them into your universe and I can now enjoy this film. Uh, the ending for me doesn't quite land. Um, and I won't say anything else because that would be spoilery, but it doesn't hit it for me. Um... However, the the film overall is fucking hilarious. Really dry, almost like kind of English humour. Like, really sarcastic. Um, I like it, and Jeremy Renner is beautiful. Okay. That is... I, I, I will take your recommend. I shall at the very least watch trailer. Had you, like, heard... Had you never heard of this film? Is this completely nope. thrown under your radar? Uh, th- yeah, I think so. I don't, know, I don't know how I missed it as well, because I, li- I like silly comedies. Yeah, so... this was... Like, remember when we used to be able to go to cinemas? This was... This Not was really. This no. was at the end of that era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, funny actually now that you say it that it just didn't come up in the course of life but no I've not heard it at all so yes that's cool I'm looking forward now I'll Definitely probably check it. that one it's, out uh, it's actually just come on to Netflix so if you have Netflix oh even better if you have Netflix you can watch it I will I will indeed not you them people listening I don't care about you <laughs> you hear that people watch it now <laughs> do it do it get to the Netflix <laughs> do it now Right, Sean, have you got another one? So I have I have one that is ongoing. So this could age like milk. Um, I am five episodes into CBS's adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand. Oh. Um, I am very much enjoying it. So, right, so I'm a big fan of the original movie from the ni- from 1994, um, which it, it has, obviously, it was made with a 1994 budget and it has aged quite a bit and yes it still holds up a bit I mean it's very much a TV drama but it holds up quite a bit The Stand is my favourite book Um, there you go guys if it ever comes up on a trivia quiz what is Sean's (laughs) favourite book The Stand by Stephen King that's the thing we should do Uh, things Ian doesn't like wow how many how many multiple options have we got here good lord yeah okay round 17 Um, it's very good so right I'll get my little criticism out of the way first it is it is slow but I'm at the same time, I'm not going to bite the hand that feeds me because we are getting plenty of the book. 
Um, yeah, it's kind of some. Yeah, like there is some pacing issues with it, but I am enjoying that we are getting so much of the, of the book uh, on uh, on screen. Um, unfortunately, Nat Wolf as Lloyd Henry, um, who is a fairly large character in the book, it, it, it's the way he's written. In fairness to Nat Wolf, it. It's not working for me. Now, as I say, I could come back at the end of the season and go, oh, actually, they did this and then this, you know. Yeah, pleasantly surprised. Yeah, but so far, it's it's not working. And I I think people will be split on Alexander Skarsgård as the main villain. I will... I will say I'm not yet sold, I but I don't dislike so it. good. Because generally, okay. yes, generally I really like him, but yeah, so I'm not so. Now, the good, uh, James Marston is brilliant as Stu Redmond, um, and Odessa Young as Franny is very good. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg is so good as Mother Abigail in this. Everything. How is she uh, not in more things? Like, I know this is stupid, she's been in a lot, but for a lady of her years, I would have loved to see her in more, more and more and more. Yeah. No, I can't she... wait to see her in Picard season two. Same, same. Uh, I definitely recommend the stand. Um, so it'll be nine episodes overall, and they're all they're full hour each. So it is. It's kind of you nice. have to put a bit of time aside, but it is it is good. Oh, and um, Owen Teague as a character called Harold Louder. Uh, that guy is gonna do things in his career. Oh, cool. Nice. He's 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 good. He's Want good. To watch. Yeah. Well, I've never read the book. Um, I love Stephen King, but I am completely ignorant to most of his works. Other than the There's a lot to get through, in fairness. Yeah, and I don't think I've got through much of it at all. Well, I know I haven't, but um, yeah, I'll, def- I'll add that to my list as well. Um, right, if you've listened to the Wonder Woman episode that we released on Sunday, um, I won't spoil it, but I, I wasn't happy. I decided the following day to watch Aquaman. And I'm glad I did, because I loved it. It was so good. Man, I loved it. I was not expecting to like Aquaman. So I'd heard people that I trust had said they liked it. So I kind of went in with middling expectations. But shut the front door. This is a fun, fun, fun film. It's the closest it, um, DC gets to the MCU. Um, and it's it's all Jason Momoa, isn't it? It really I've not seen really it. Is. So, yeah. not, no, sorry, no, I've not seen, seen it. it. Watch um, it. It's awesome. It's so so good. That's the most consistent bit of feedback is that it's you know, it's it's big, splashy and fun. Yeah, it is. Now it's visually beautiful, but all of that stuff is in the wrong film. The the aesthetic for the film is really confusing for me. Because oh, Rugged Momoa and which sounds like an awesome cocktail. Um, Rugged Momoa, Fisherman, the stuff that happens topside, cool. They've made some choices to make Atlantis look distinct and different. It doesn't, for me, work in this movie. Um, So pretty to look at, but doesn't make a damn bit of sense. Um, And all of the CGI people, Patrick Wilson, um, Dolph Lundgren... Oh, man, I cannot say his name. Dolph Lundgren is this? Is it Dolph Lundgren? Yeah, I've I've said it twice, that'll do. Oh, it's perfect the second time. Good. They thank you. They've CGI'd all of the Atlanteans have CGI hair and to some degree faces because they're underwater mm. and it takes me out of the movie. So so it's so jarring because it ain't Disney's 
CGI faces and the de-aging on Aquaman's dad um, okay. is poor. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, like, I think I think we're still of an age where it's getting more and more, well, it's got more and more normal to do that de-aging, but at the same time, it's, you know, these things are expensive for a reason. Yeah, you Disney know, you... nailed it. I mean, they couldn't even get it right in Endgame with um, Ant-Man's, what's his name? Oh, um, Hank Michael Pim. Douglas. Michael Douglas. Didn't get it right for that because I think they cut a corner. Nailed it for Captain Marvel. DC yeah. hasn't... Oh my Warner- God, yes. Actually, absolutely yeah. nailed it. Warner Brothers hasn't nailed it once yet and this yeah. was a bold move. But other than that, the film, super fun. Super, super fun. Watch it. Cool. I will, a, I will give it a go. We got through a lot of news and recommends there. Um, should we talk about the film? Nah. Nah, good. Right, that's the end of the podcast. Sorry anybody that enjoyed Donnie Darko, but I'm quite happy to be wrapping up now. Sure, this is your pick this week. Why do you love Donnie Darko? No, fuck it. No, give me the synopsis of the film. Every week I forget this. Oh, no, okay. Well, And also, I mean, I, I would nearly have preferred that you did forget Actually, it. Actually. How the fuck does one you, give a synopsis for Donnie Darko? this movie? Um, in October of 1988, no, Donnie Darko... I mean, I was around for this. I, I was only eight months old. Oh, cool. Um, so uh, so I actually witnessed these events firsthand. Um, in October of 1988, a kid called Donnie Darko narrowly avoids death and gets pulled into time loop shenanigans. There you go. That's basically the synopsis of Donnie Darko. Yeah, you can't. You can't do... Anything it, more without spoilers or without... Well, yeah, that's, that's true as well. Really anything else, because it's too complicated. In my in my research for this episode, one thing I was actually finding... So when we were discussing which version of the film we were going to cover, I suggested, let's do the theatrical version, because there is a director's cut that was released a few years later as well. And no one although, mentioned the Italian version. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no d- point. D- there, there you go. It just kind of booted its way in and said, I am here. Um... But uh, both versions are good, but the the director's cut, in my opinion, suffers from, uh, let me explain this to you, whereas the theoretical cut (coughs) does not. It does not throw you any lifelines. Do you think that's the point of a director's cut? Because for me, a director's cut is if there were no studio intervention and there were no no rules and regulations as to what makes it into a cinema, that is my version. The director's commentary should be... Here's me explaining the film. I sorry, I completely agree. And even one thing I was happy to find in again in the research for this, uh, an interview with director and writer Richard Kelly, he said he's not massively pushed on one version or the other. It's yeah. like it's not that the he he calls he says, look, it's, I'm fine with the theatrical version, so call that a director's cut if you want, yeah, and call the longer one a special edition. That's fair. Um, also, debut yeah. film, Richard Kelly. Oh. Yeah, that's we'll we'll get into that. But uh, I recently I recently wrote an article, and we had to do a list of write, uh, writers and directors who have never topped their first film. Mm-hmm. And boy, howdy, was Richard Kelly on this list? He's got to be pretty high up, isn't he? Yeah. Also, so is Zack Snyder because I love watching Ian's eye twitch when I say the name Zack Snyder. Uh, he's never, in my opinion, has never topped Dawn of the Dead. Look at it, twitch. Anyway, Richard <laughs> Kelly. Um, also, uh, it's on my road because I think. I mean, I, okay, I know every film on our Rewindables list is 
subjectively great. Oh, 100%. You know, as opposed 100%. to objectively. I think yeah. objectively, I think they're good. But subjectively, this for me was a very important film because I saw it, I, I'm not sure if I saw it 2001. I think I might have seen it 2000, actually a little bit later. I think it was maybe 2004, 2005 before it kind of became big in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, it was released, sorry, it was released October 2001. Well, there's a very um, good reason why this film disappeared into obscurity. It's, it's a, release date to begin with. 100%. I suppose, yeah, let's just talk about the 9-11 and the room, is that there is, obviously, in the opening act, a, a jet engine collapses yeah. through the house, and this was a month after 9-11, and <coughs> all of the artwork and the marketing campaign had featured plane crashes and things like that. All of that was pulled, and so it completely flopped at the box office, because there was no marketing. They didn't have time to turn it around. How much bad luck is that? Seriously. You yeah. can't, ah, you cannot mm. plan for that. I mean, you, you can't, and I suppose... I, or is there I a more fitting to, film for this for that to happen to, to be honest? Uh, I Fate. suppose. Yeah, yeah I, do you know what I was going to say? I want to live in a world where you don't have to plan for that. You know what that's I mean? Fair. Like, I suppose yeah, maybe, fair. yes, we always should, because the, the, the original Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi one, which is, put a pin in Sam Raimi, we'll come back to that, but the Sam Raimi Spider-Man was affected by 9-11 as well. And Correct. It, what, but it was only one trailer for... Spidey that had to be pulled yeah. uh, because I think he spins a web between the two towers. Well, they cut the two towers out of a lot of the transitional shots in Friends um, when it showed did, up. To, and right. I don't get that. That doesn't make any sense to me. I think it's that um, it's trying not to, you know, ramp up the emotion at the, at the time. I I'm not I'm not sure. I personally I'd be the same. It's like, look, it's a horrible horrible event, but it happened, and we need we to remember it. Yeah. Exactly, you can't just kind of hit and raise it. But maybe, I suppose, to be as fair as possible, in the following months and years, when the world absolutely panics, which we are still feeling today, everyone who goes near an airport remembers 9-11, you know? You watch it. Actually, this is funny. We did, for our Christmas films, we did Home Alone. And I think we commented at the time, it's like, what do you mean they're running to the gate? Like, surely they would all have been shot by airport security at this point. 100%. Hundred um, percent. But yeah, sorry, I've I've veered wildly off topic there. So um the No, now I can't remember what the topic was. Oh yeah, Donnie Darko, good film. Um my so this was so we we were speaking obviously before recording, so this was very much on my rewind was this. Oh yeah, why did I love it so much? So when I saw it, um I bought the DVD. I liked the DVD cover. That was it. I knew nothing else about the film. It's the iconic, DVD cover. Isn't it? It's amazing. Uh, I have to say, no, it is amazing. It's it's Frank the Bunny's mask. Um, yeah. And it's the, the actors are sort of arranged to make Frank's mask and the, and the one that I had. And that was it. I don't think it was, there was nothing else on the DVD that I got. It was yeah. this and the trailer. Even if you've never seen the film, you know that. You know the symbol for Donnie Darko. Yes. Ex- yeah. Quite fittingly, you could see that. There's a superhero element to that, of that being his symbol. Um, so it's very fitting. George has had a horrible realisation, right? And this is bloody horrible. And I, this was in no way hidden information. Like, it's pretty fucking obvious, really. Donnie Darko is now 20 years old. To 2021, <clears throat> 2001. So, the la- yeah, last week, I said, yeah, no, it's a bit dated. It's in the 80s. And that's the reason I thought... I know it's set in the late 80s, but I actually mm. thought it came out in the 80s because there's no way 2001 is 20 years ago. Um, oh my God. Thank you for coming to our rant about how old we feel. 
Exactly, yeah. As we sit here remembering 2001, oh, which is just, oh, 20 I don't remember years. 1988. I was there, but I don't remember it. Um, I'm delighted to say. Um, so I, I saw this. I think let's pick, you know, I, I watched it of a Saturday or something. It doesn't matter. But, um, and in the same week, I watched it twice more. And I don't do that with it. Not really. I think I've seen films multiple times in the cinema. Yeah. Um, uh, it's think, rare that happens to me as well, especially for home yeah. home release. Not you know what I mean. Watching it at home, so I, it kind of baked itself onto onto my mind. You know what I mean. Um, and of course, I was. So I think I th- I feel like it was two thousand and four when I watched this. So I would have been sixteen in two thousand and four, and of course I was Donny, yeah. and nobody understood me, and it was all you know absolutely you know. And only I can change the course of mm-hmm. all that. Yeah, it, it still, for some weird little reason, has this special place in my brain. Yeah, so, okay, right. I've monologues now. So, when did you first see it? And what was your kind of initial reaction versus now? So, <clears throat> I've had a bit of a journey with this film. Um, and I think it has a special place in a lot of people's hearts. I think there's there's a lot of people that like it because it's so out there and because it's so bizarre and I think it's one of those films the more passionately people don't like it the more passionately the people that do like it like it I mean there's an inverse thing there um, yeah. so the first time I watched it was at uni so uh, 2000 and uh, this would have been I think second year of uni so 2010 2011 somewhere around there and if you think I'm intensely analytical now I've actually mellowed. Um, back, like, yeah, what? Back then, I ripped it to pieces, and I didn't. I wasn't in the right mindset to enjoy it. Um, I pulled it apart, and it was too out there, too bizarre for me. Um, gave it another go this year during lockdown, and I hate that during lockdown is like an epoch. Um, it's a period mm. of time that we can describe, but there we go. Um, and I liked it slightly more, but I still came to the conclusion that. This is too weird, and the problem was we're twenty years dated now. So for me, it just it was it. It's very of its time. It does feel older than it is. Um, however, on this rewatch, this is the most I've liked it. So I've still got the same because the sense of achievement that you're like we've got it. No, we I got it. It only um, took nine hours, but we got it. Well, this is this is very much an inception thing. Like you. To love this film, I think you need to watch it four, five, six, seven times. Now you pick, I picked up things. Sorry to speak of no, it, but I picked it. up things on this watch that I have never noticed. Before. Exactly, yeah, um, and I think that helps when you watch along with somebody because you can hash things out and you can talk about it. Um, my problem is where I'm happy to rewatch Inception seven times to understand it. I don't enjoy this film enough to watch it ten times, but I know that by the tenth time. I will like it a lot more than I do now. So I've got a very odd relationship with this film. I, I I like it more than I ever have, but I still can't say that I'm going to watch it again next week. Gotcha. No, no, no. I, I, I definitely, I definitely understand that. Like it's, I, even I sometimes because you go through periods, right? And and even I go, is it just weird for weird's sake? Agreed. That's my problem you know? with it. That is, it's like uh, there's there's a hundred vignettes that not all of them mesh together. There's some scenes where you're just like, you could cut that. You didn't yeah. need that to get from A to B. Um, it's There's an hour of this film that I passionately love. 
However, that hour is spread across an hour and 50 minutes. <laughs> Quite I evenly. Even, so I was I was there making notes to myself as we were going just to kind of remember. And, and even again, I... I'm not quite at say Trek levels if I can close my eyes and hit play on this film but I'm not far off it but I did catch myself a couple of times going I'm kind of feeling the length this time and this is and this is my trick this is yes. my rewind yes, do you yes. know what I mean um, so but then at the same time 27 hours later to hit play on it so I was you know I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of torn is it the fact that it's you was know, it the situation but, yeah, was it the situation a ago, yeah. I nearly said it was two and a half hours long and it's not but it 100% feels two and a half hours long. And, and you know what? The director's cut, or special edition, whatever we want to call it, is. Oh, and Jesus. it's... Yeah. Okay, so I suppose maybe from here, I, I won't go a cut comparison. Yeah, can we, we'll save that to the very end, I think. It, yeah. It, it, it's, again, it, and I'm not even concerned about spoilers here. I'm just like, how do you get your head straight on this one? Um, there's so much I love, but... One thing, sorry, that I think is a just amazing piece of cinema, and it's so simple. It's just Donnie cycling down from the mountain while Echo and the Bunnymen, The Killing Moon, plays. I think that's a good place to kick off, is the score and the musical choices in this film. Are Great, yeah. Beautiful, like pitch perfect. Yeah. Like 100%, like it captures, and I was, again, things you learn on, on rewatches. So there's things, I, I knew they had issues with songs they want wanted to get for the original theatrical and for whatever reason they either couldn't get it in time or just couldn't get it all together so echo and the bunny men and uh, like circle the word bunny men mm-hmm. um was not the first choice for the scene uh, they wanted to get in excess uh level terrace apart and ah. that is back in the special edition and i feel that was i think they should have stuck with yeah echo because because it's that intro you know those that, that first kind of guitar chord that kicks in, and I think, oh shoot, no, that's iconic. Like, don't remove that. So there's a, but it's funny that how they accidentally stumbled on something great. Yeah, when you weren't, you can. It's amazing how circumstance can stumble you into something like that. Um, and there's a nice bit of editing when um, the song finishes, and it's just it's a really simple spooky echo. Yeah. When the song, because it's it. You you're expecting the next line of the song, but it stops extremely abruptly and offbeat. So it's like, oh, right, we're in the film now. It's a very clever way to get your head in the game. Um, it was funny. I remember you hit pause or something, or maybe I was grabbing a cup of tea or something. This is this is a couple of cups of tea movie. It's one of those yeah. movies, right? Um, I don't think it's a drinking movie. I, I beg you not to drink or take any edibles during this Well, I, w- I would say, I think probably an entire industry's worth of edibles have been taken during this film. I haven't personally during done this. The, during, I live in Ireland. During the creation yeah. of production of and watching of. Yeah, did Richard Kelly, do you remember writing Donnie Darko? Writing what now? Do I? Um, do I fuck? But no, because we. That was funny. Sorry for that sidebar. But it's funny because then. We unpaused it there, and I just clear as day heard <laughs> echo yeah, coming sorry. through my ears. <laughs> Brilliant! It just—I don't know, I think I just punctuated it in my head because it's—it's it's not a fade. The tempting thing there is to fade the song out, but it's a—it's a very nice little little choice. I like it. I like it a lot. But the songs in this film are just—they're perfect. It's teenage angst. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't use the Doors because. <laughs> 
That would have really bugged me. Or is there? Well, no, no. Well, the, the doors are all kind of 60s, 70s, whereas all the songs in this are 80s. Yes, yes. So. Yeah, and that, would, that wouldn't have made sense. Um, but it is coming-of-age, teenage angst yeah. songs. They're absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. But none of them, surprisingly, none of them have really been used heavily since, which makes this a kind of a pocket universe. It still keeps it unique. It doesn't... Because even when a film is the first to do something, if it's done a thousand times later, it still seems cliche, even though it was the first time to do it. So I think it benefits from some yeah. of that. I mean, it probably you know helps that nobody saw it. <laughs> well, that too. Uh, I think we covered a lot during our Halloween month, uh, going through kind of originals of slashers going, oh, hang on, all of these tropes. I'm just like, yeah, 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 but this did it first. This was the first time. Yeah, yeah. I know, but I can't unsee it now. Yeah, it's exactly, you're right. And it does, it colours how you go back and view some of these things. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I oh, think the fashions as well. Sorry, <laughs> I think to um the way we may have to frame this um is probably what what the film is trying to deal with is mental health, isn't it? It's mental health and how reality is perceived. So what I took from it on this watch is whereas the whole world thinks that Donnie is in inverted commas, crazy, um, or schizophrenic, or what, whatever the diagnosis is for him. I feel like the movie's actually trying to say, maybe he's the only brain that can perceive the universe, so what we see as a mental deficiency is actually a mental unlock, and that's why he can see time, and that he's vulnerable to this paradox that has happened. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a brain description of it because you're right I think at one point the doctor uh, she calls him or she says his delusions are common among paranoid schizophrenics I think she doesn't go quite towards calling him a paranoid schizophrenic but it's implied and you know she's up the medication and everything and he seems to have some at least of his visions on the medication you know or under the influence of something we do at the at the so after the the very funny fight over dinner, and uh, so the intro to the episode was very nearly the podcast that can suck a fuck, and the, the man yeah, exactly does want to suck a fuck Ian. the man who will show you how to suck a fuck. <laughs> when can I squeeze one out? Not till eighth grade. Um, That's brilliant. It's so good. Uh, um, but uh, but yeah, just after because obviously she outs him as having stopped taking yes, his medication exactly. and then immediately following him calling Rose, his mum a bitch, he takes his meds right, okay, I missed that because then it's easy to, and I think that's a good choice because if he doesn't take the meds it's easy to write this off as, yeah he's yeah. delusional take your yeah, meds and you'll like, be yeah. fine But is he just dreaming, That's there is an yeah. interpretation, obviously we don't I hate that unfortunately we can't like you cannot write a story anymore where it's a dream and people will not come running at you with pitchforks yeah rightly so because yeah exactly yeah right so oh none of it happened actually do you know what none of it ever happened and it was all a dream I think the first one is a bit more forgivable than the second one agreed yeah yeah none of it ever happened Grant okay like you were having a paranoid delusion the only thing worse than that is no explanation, and I'll let you decide. No, fuck you, it's your movie. Let, you tell me what you thought. Uh, that's it. Give us enough that we can, if it, if it is up for us to decide, fine, but give us enough either directions or 
footholds, if you like, that our interpretation is valid. We can and get I think, somewhere, yeah. Yeah, I think the theatrical version does that. Agreed. Totally agree. Um, there's some loose things that I don't understand, but there's enough there where I get it. <laughs> and that's yeah. a bold statement to make, that I understand Donnie Darko. <laughs> So that's it. So from now on, guys, check his Twitter bio. It'll be <laughs> Ian Whittington, the man who understands Donnie Darko. So I may actually put that into my bio. Certifiably knows Donnie Darko. <laughs> Perfect. There we go. Yeah. Um, like, there are, there are a lot of bits, obviously, that work in this film, and there are bits that don't. Um, some of the stuff around Roberta Sparrow, Grandma Death, doesn't really do it for me in this version. But also... Where does she live that she seems to be on a motorway, yet it's a dirt road? <laughs> yeah, like, stop going in the middle of the road. No, I'm on my fucking drive, dickhead. Yeah, stop exactly. driving at me. <laughs> and yeah, why is she fucking why invisible are you guys here? nobody, like, can see her? Just drive around her. Um, she doesn't, especially since this is a fucking routine, it's not a surprise. It's, we're coming up to Grandma Death's house. This is her thing. Oh, shit, what is she doing going up to the letterbox? You know the drill. Mm. Same thing every as they make a joke. It's the same thing every day. Walks back and forth to the letterbox. If you're not paying attention, yeah. that's on you. Exactly. Can we just talk through? It might help to just talk through her. So what's her journey? Okay. So she's super so she religious started nun. life. Yeah, as a nun, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and she was a teacher at uh, the high school, which where Donny and all yes. the kids go, Middlesex High School, and she. It's not explained why, but it's. In, inferred that she has a, an experience with time travel enough for her to understand the mechanics of time travel mm-hmm. uh, which causes her it seems to cause her to abandon her faith um, because she stops he he says you know one day she just gave it all up and started teaching science yeah so oh, well, that's it so maybe she was a nun in a, before no, maybe no, no, it wasn't yeah, she a teacher was a nun. Us, but yeah. no yeah she was a nun gave it up to teach yeah. science but I, I took it as at some point, I think she eventually understood time travel so well that she got to Donnie Darko levels and it broke her brain. So now she understands the fabric of time and space so well that she can't exist on the same plane as us. So now she is just stuck in this loop. Mm. Oh, and which is then symbolised by, has anyone sent me a letter? Maybe she's always been waiting for Donnie Darko's letter. Exactly. She knew. I think she knows that's the end of her journey, so <clears throat> that's what she's waiting for. She doesn't know. She doesn't know when it happens, but I imagine that she can see the tunnel that comes out of your chest. I imagine she can see that tunnel, and it leads to the letterbox, and she's just stuck in that loop until she gets the letter. Yeah, that's. Hey, hey it look, works as that's well as, as valid a reading as every other. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> um, and uh, of course course it's funny as well like they the way they talk about i love the way they talk about her over the dinner table because it feels like such a natural family discussion about a well-known i imagine that you know personality all of the dinner table discussions actually came from the gyllenhaal residence just (laughs) word for word just transcribed um with the okay joy let's let's talk casting really quickly in this Mm -hmm. film because obviously obviously jay gyllenhaal is just great he's just a in master film. in everything he does yeah. Just, yeah, yes to be honest uh, the last film I saw with him in quite recently actually was Zodiac which I just hadn't got around to oh, watching for years good. I've just watched it it's fantastic he's brilliant in it he's fantastic have you um, seen Nightcrawler 
Yes, I have. Oh, yeah. mate, that film. Funnily enough, that was also on the list of directors who have yet to top them. Oh, their awesome. first films. That's really yeah. cool. Dan Gilroy. Yeah, not surprising. That. that film is perfection. Um, but uh, uh, so Maggie Gyllenhaal, obviously, she is his sister and plays his sister. And so I, this was in my first of my little tidbits behind the scenes, right? So initially, Richard Kelly was a bit hesitant about casting her. Um, just she didn't have many screen credits to her name, and it was <laughs> her performance in a film called Cecil B. Demented is what swung it for him because he liked the way she drank urine in that film. I mean, that, <clears throat> that checks out. I mean, there you are then. So, if you want to get cast in a film, drink your pee. Especially if you want to get past in the, uh, cast in the Donnie Darko film. That's, I, mean, I imagine that's just... That's going to score you some points, isn't it? Um, and, of course, our president is oh, their mother. Salute. And she oh. acts presidential in this... Sorry, for those of you that don't watch Battlestar, watch it. Um, oh, yeah. For the love of God, go and watch it now. Yeah, yeah. Donnie's mum plays the president and... It's her tone of voice, isn't it? It she commands everything. Absolutely, absolutely. There's a funny connection uh, with this film and then casting. So she and Frank, uh, actor James Duvall, were both in Independence Day, where she plays the first lady of the oh, United cool. States. Would you look at that? Yeah. Um, I have no other connection to Independence Day, just the fact that she played the vice, uh, the, the first lady of the United States. So an actor in this uh, film in also well. acted in another film. Cool. Yes, very much so. Yeah, which sure, is sure. nice. Always. Yeah, you're very welcome. <laughs> Everyone go home now. Such a fuck ass. <laughs> What's a fuck ass? But we are not having this discussion at the dinner table. Uh, actually, do you know what? Devay Chase is. She obviously she doesn't get an awful lot to do in this, but she's very good in oh, she's the role. Perfectly of, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Samantha Darko. Um, that name will come up, but at the end of this episode, we will discuss S. Darko. And, but that's the end of this episode. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so, I, th- I like your description very much of it. It's a series of vignettes. I really, yeah. yeah, that's a very good description of this film. And it's, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but for me, there's not enough that ties it together. There's not enough... There is, there's loads of themes, but there's not one consistent thing that I feel like a lot of these scenes could have, could have been played out of order. So I think yeah. you could re-edit the film the entire twenty-eight days, and I think if you keep the big moments like um, the flood, the house fire, the airplane in the same positions, everything else is kind of interchangeable, and that bugs me. No, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, because, like, and you could easily do, like, tiny little rewrite, you know, kind of. The party kind of has to happen where it does, but some of the stuff yeah, around yeah. the party, you know what I mean? A um, lot of the stuff at school. Exactly, yeah. And I think a lot of that school stuff could have been cut as well. I We, we were saying this while I watched it. You could cut the uh, infant memory generators entirely. As you yeah. say, the scene only exists for them to kiss. Yeah, that's it. There's another way you can get her to the beautiful moment. Um, it doesn't have to be that. It just seems like, huh, this is a cool idea. I'd like to put it in the film. Which is Absolutely. fine, but it's not progressing your story, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Some of the Drew Barrymore stuff. I'd kind of be happy if she got cut from the entire film. Well, there would be a problem with that. Well, I know she paid so, for it, but... It, it, 
English. Oh, is that the problem? Four point five million dollars yeah. for it as well. So Flower Films is her production yes. company, and they basically stepped in. Um, Richard Kelly was saying that this was going to either debut on. Now we don't get this channel in the UK and Ireland. Stars. Yeah. Um. So or you know straight to straight to DVD, yeah. which obviously unfortunately can. So Chris Nolan, I mean, and, got, Chris Nolan, and Drew Barrymore saved yeah. this production entirely. Uh, that's it. I only just this time around saw. I'd never seen Christopher Nolan's name attached yeah. to this before. Now, and it's yeah. amazing the clout that he had after just Memento. That's it. That's the reason that he was able to throw his weight behind um, Donnie Darko. Bonkers. Yeah. But yeah, sorry. Carry well, on, Drew so, Barrymore. So Memento was weird as well, so it actually makes sense Actually, now, as you, say. you know yeah. what? It's perfect in the same universe i wouldn't be surprised she doesn't do nearly enough i really like drew barrymore right but you're right they could have even just even trimmed some of her scenes um like i like the character uh we, we were saying this with this she's an hideous teacher. awful teacher awful awful yeah, teacher like, sit heart... next to the boy you think is the cutest and it's on this time round that i realized maybe she's not that awful because when she's getting dismissed which is by the way as somebody who's had these conversations that is the worst Worst probation dismissal meeting in the entire fucking world. That was ridiculous. But mm-hmm. um, what she says is that you don't understand or nobody understands how to get through to these kids. So her method perhaps is getting through to them. So, yeah, sit yeah. next to the kid that you find most attractive. It might seem massively, massively inappropriate, and it is, but it's on their level, isn't it? So maybe it's just a technique. Yeah, that's like, you know, it's kind of within reason, you know, teaching, there is no one-size-fits-all stencil. Yeah, you I know? wish there was. There's, yeah, that would be I think we'd, would we'd be nice. have had nicer school experiences if there was a scientific way of doing this shit. Oh dear, well, that's true. Although, sure. Uh, one thing that I suppose we see a lot in this film with the teenagers, you're right, they're all in their 20s, but anyway, with yeah. the teenagers in this film is also true to life is that we are all crazy as teenagers. Are we are going through so much stuff hey, emotionally as well? Like we're all oh, well, on the spectrum weird. somewhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are well, seriously. But, but I mean, you're right. We just we grow up and we think of different words for these things. Yeah. But um, euphemisms, comfortable yeah. euphemisms. Exactly. I mean, I've been traveling through time uh, for. I think the last time I traveled in time was next Tuesday. Nice. I mean, I've been traveling. I've been travelling forward in time at exactly one second per second since I was born. Cannot argue with that logic. No. Nope. In fairness. How do you know? Anyway. But, uh, so yeah, so reaching out to them in this way, where they are, they're all just bags of hormones walking around. Yeah. You know? Um, although, that poor, well, Joni should have read the story, really, because she really put her head on the block. Didn't she? You know, she... Uh, Drew, uh, yeah, sorry. Car- uh, I think it's Karen Pomeroy. There we go. Uh, is you know they're reading about, about the Graham Greens, the Destroyers, and you know what's the story about? Johnny puts up her hand, thinking, and I won't lie to you, I have done this. She's read the synopsis, or she's read, you know, yeah. kids break into house, and she says they wanted to rob him, and she is absolutely, you know, ripped to shreds <clears throat> by the teacher, which I think is quite bitchy and funny. If you're gonna bullshit, don't volunteer the bullshit. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But then, yeah, so not only that, but like, Johnny, get up. I was like, all right then. Okay. 
Um, so, man, it's so hard to jump around in this film. Um, it is, isn't it? So the other theme is free will, isn't it? Um, and does it exist? Does it exist? I think this movie would, would absolutely say it does not. Um, oh, I disagree. Oh, go on, man. So I think events end the way that they do. All right, spoiler, everybody. So the for Donnie to stay in the bedroom, he did view his own timeline. So this is the conversation he's having with Professor Montanov. Exactly. Um, yeah. If you're, or if you're... Monotov, sorry, I made the same mistake that Gretchen did. Oops. Um, that if you're able to view your own path, you can make changes and then you can change everything. To which he says, well, you're contradicting yourself because if everything is predetermined, you, you know, you don't have any power over this. You can't change the direction. It's a, the very it's fact, a head scratcher. The very fact that you have a choice of which direction to go means that it isn't predetermined. Because if the option is there to not yeah. do it, even if every single time you do it, the option is still there. So yeah, I, I get it. I, I think, I mean, and this is, maybe this is hardly mind-blowing or, mind or, or new, but I think that this movie talks about time travel, but what it's really introducing is the idea of parallel universes. Agreed, yeah. Uh, so he can see along the path. It has to be. Well, exactly, it has to be, because otherwise, you know, there is no, <laughs> I was going to say, there is no fate but what we make for ourselves. Um, that's another universe. Um, for Donnie to, as we see him at the end, he's laughing in the bed as the yeah. jet engine comes down, is because he knows. And his death is then sparing some pain for other people. It's sparing Gretchen's life because she's only at the house because she's yeah, there with him. Correct. Spares Frank's life. Because no, he will be going. To there jail. would not oh, have been. Sorry, not just going to jail. He wouldn't have a bullet in the eye. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But and then obviously Gretchen wasn't there, so he wouldn't have driven over. Uh, and, Gretchen. And yeah, um, the paedophile doesn't get found out. That's yeah, and I think that's a statement as well of like, there is no one size fits all. No, exactly. It's not black and white. You're not going to get it right every time. And you know, a life, one life affects countless others in countless different ways and you cannot account for all of that no. and so you just kind of have to this comes back to our free will thing you just kind of have to pick so the best of the worst I guess Yeah, I'd probably say that maybe oh, it's complicated but I think the majority of us don't have free will because we aren't looking for it but Donnie has to, the way he sees the world is that he has to has to find the logic in it. His brain, I think it's riddled with OCD because he has to logic his way through every problem. So the Smurfs, he is offended by his friend's description of Smurfette and how the universe works. And he's just like, no, 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 You're, it's so crystal clear to him how the Smurf universe works and how Smurfette, the role that she plays. He's just like, how do you people not see this? And the one thing that his brain can't compute is, does God exist? Am I alone? So he's like, I don't even try. I know I can't get there. I know I'll probably pull my brain out of my eyes if I try to get there, so I'm not gonna. So his world is very black and white, and it has to be like that. Yeah, because it nearly breaks him yeah. whenever something happens that he has no control over. That he can't explain. I think of one of the... 
One of the most disturbing images from the film is he's in the bathroom with Frank and there's the, the kind of the water barrier between yes. them. Yes. Um, and he's there with a knife. It goes and through it's one of the you, most it's so ding, it's, ding, it's, ding, ding. oh and that's is is this him trying to speed things along because oh the target is always frank's eye there's so much yes. coming back to frank's eye um and is this him speeding things along that would save gretchen's life but then does frank still have to die for there to be time travel it's it's an this is where i can't help but metagame a little bit and i wonder is it just foreshadowing so is it just kelly having a bit of fun and foreshadowing it because at the end it's a very cool oh shit moment in in that case it's worth it or is it saying something more like this was uh donny has the knowledge of multiple timelines but he can't sort it out so he knows exactly how this ends and instinctively he's getting there but it's out of order so he doesn't know exactly when things happen but he know he can see the full picture but not how to get there that's yeah so it's like he's got all the jigsaw pieces on the table but someone's thrown away the box exactly um, yeah exactly th- th- there's a reading of the film now this potentially is the in the special edition so i'm not sure how obscure this reading is but um that frank is a conscious time traveler as in he know he is i have invented time travel and i am a time traveler um, I don't like that. I don't like that either because that I don't. Make sense. I, it doesn't make sense. Doesn't Frank. A- exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> so I. I don't. But okay. If it did, if Frank foresaw his own death, you know, did he put some sort of safeguards in place, or you know, and does he then have to convince Donnie to be the one to die to save his own life? So the only way that works in my head is if Frank can also see multiple timelines because Mm. if frank in the world where donny gets killed by the jet engine that frank would have to know that in the alternate timeline he dies so he would then have to become obsessed with time travel create a way to travel back in time and then make sure donny makes this decision yeah which is a, a leap that's a big big leap from what is on yeah. screen it's fine it's a reading of it like that's grand and i won't say that no 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 that's that's not it that's not it it's just the it doesn't suit our reading so really feel like we're just like i see your history but i'm just going to erase some of those yeah, exactly. things and create our own history um and there's so the events that frank leads donnie to do because frank is obviously leading donnie by the hand he's the one who tells him there's 28 yeah, days literally. yeah and he tells him to know, flood the school exactly so it's this has to happen so that this can happen mm-hmm. exactly so flooding the, so what what what's the next thing that flooding the school so he gets the day off um i'm trying to think of the direct because i think because burning down the house leads to rosie darko having to take the girls on the competition because the teacher yes. mrs farmer is going to go and defend uh patrick exactly. swayze um, the flood or Jim the Cunningham, s- sorry. Yeah, the f- so I'm trying to think, what's the direct one? Oh, it's gone straight out of my head now. The flood at the school leads to them having a day off, which leads to them getting together. Gretchen. 
That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yes, thank you very much. He walks her home. Yeah, and yeah. that's the spark of the relationship. In a way, Frank is a time traveller in every reading of it, but it's how conscious is he of what's happening is up for debate. Um, so he leads Donnie to flood the school, which leads to Donnie meeting Gretchen. He leads Donnie to burn down the house, which leads to Rosie Darko being out of the house, which means they can have the party, mm-hmm. which means... Frank needs to go and buy beer. Yeah, exactly. Which puts him in the car. The way I prefer to interpret it, and I might just be way off base, is it's more along the lines of uh, Donnie being able to see time. And this is his way of... This is his brain's way of making sense of it. So dreams is how we make... Dreams is... Dreams are how we make sense of what's happening in our lives. Um... This is very similar. So I think the the bunny is the only way his brain can make sense of this is how we've got to get from A to B to A. And it, he because there's actually at the very beginning of the and I mean the the beginning of the film. So he's just cycling into the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank passes him in the car. Of course, we never notice him. Get out because we're not looking for him. Oh, I love it. That's so cool. But yeah, so. Oh, I missed that. Does did the image of Frank in that car stick in his yeah, head, and as you say, the then in his dreams? Totally, yeah. totally makes sense. Again, one of the many reasons that I enjoy this film as much as I do is that twenty years later, we're still interpreting it different ways. Yeah, I really, really enjoy talking about this film far more than I enjoy watching it. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's. I think that's a perfectly fair thing to say about. Well, to be honest, about any movie, like there's movies I will talk about until I'm blue in the face but it doesn't necessarily mean I want to sit down and watch them again for example Inception I love it but I wouldn't stick it on every couple of days do you know what I mean Inception is the the best Nolan film we've agreed this we have not agreed (laughs) this in fact I believe it was the first one to be cut we should have done we absolutely shunned we're doing a rematch (laughs) this time next year Uh, uh, I have a feeling that we will but um but but like that but it's an example of that like it's Donnie Darko. It's one of the films I've seen. There's the ones I've seen numbers of times, which I will not admit on air because I will be admitted to a hospital straight away. Uh, Fellowship of the Ring is one of those films. What's um, wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it. I've just seen it more than forty-five times. You are kidding. I am not. You're kidding. You're not old myself. enough to have and seen it forty-five times. There's, 45 there's times not enough myself. time. And Darren Smith, who hopefully is listening to this right now, will be able to corroborate this. We got it on DVD and watched it every single day. Uh, the summer it came out. Um, like, we'd be doing all the stuff, we just have it on in the background, but every single Shit day. Shit the bed, good man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. people say to me, like, oh, are you doing the Lord of the Rings marathon? And I'm like, child, sit down. Bitch, please. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have not seen this film that time. I've seen this film maybe, I think this might have been the 10th time. Yeah. Um, and still noticing. So, w- one thing I noticed, so I still, I had to, I read the Frank thing in the notes. I didn't see Frank, so that's ten times I have missed Frank that's each time. Awesome. He's probably we're going to go and watch it now and again. He's going to be like you know waving at the Everywhere. camera or something. Exactly, he's uh, going to be doing a um, uh, Mike but, Myers in um, Halloween. Yeah, exactly. Michael yeah, we'll see Myers. Every tree. Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Sorry, Michael. Stop doing yeah, it. baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, but two things. So two things that I noticed weren't in the notes or anything. So when he walks into the kitchen on the last morning and uh, his sister is there. Uh, Elizabeth, sorry, uh, is there. She just got into Harvard and he says we should have a party. Sitting in between them is a pumpkin of Frank's head. Get the fuck out. How did I miss that? Didn't notice it. <laughs> Had, didn't notice it ten times and it's sitting there in between them. Oh, yeah, that's it's, awesome. Uh, 
So yeah, because it's got the two, the two ears sticking up out of it. I love shit like that. There's another. Yeah, like, there's one other one, and it's the last kind of hidden thing I'd never noticed before. Um, and I might be wrong because this is a blink and you'll miss it one. So, just after he reads the sign that says Frank was here, went to get beer, we see coming around the corner one of these, you know, the water tubes, if you like, coming out of people's chests. Yes, the so time one tube. comes around the corner. Yeah, exactly. And we discovered that it's Gretchen. So he puts his head into this time tube and he sort of zooms forward. And as it does, it pans around a skull with bunny ears. Oh, that's crazy. It's like, ah! Okay, but it might be, I might be wrong. Maybe it just looks like it, but in my mind, it that's was really cool. a skull with bunny That ears. can't be an accident. So there, there is a little bit on that scene. So this is at the party. Um, Gretchen's at the party because mum has disappeared. Um, he walks Gretchen to the door... Then I assume she was leaving, and then the time tunnel stuff happens, and they're in the kitchen. Yeah, like it's because we we were talking this. Gretchen's entire presence at this party, it, it, there's questions about it. So one is why was she not there from the beginning? And now, as you said, she could have just been like he always was expecting her. But then she's standing there on the doorstep and she's very obviously distressed and he kind of goes do you want to come inside I said well well, duh wasn't she going to anyway like is it a surprise that she's turned up now I don't know if you've noticed this but after he pushes through the time tunnel thing he's actually on his knees listening to her stomach that's definitely a baby reference isn't it a hundred percent that's what I got from it because obviously they have just had sex yeah there's something that is it's almost like he saw too far into the future and saw a baby in the future and potentially oh, yeah I, I really like that there's bits like that there's bits of this film that give me tingles and it's surrounded by probably 90 minutes of stuff that's not necessary <laughs> it's a it also if let's say, so if if your reading of that is say right but it, it is right okay um it makes his sacrifice even worse even harder to bear because obviously if if he never went back in time uh gretchen dies frank dies and then he goes to jail forever right um but he goes back in time which saves gretchen's life and saves frank's life but he dies and there's no baby yeah it's rough it's really really rough it's complicated um and i kind of his laughing we're jumping around a bit, but his laughing and going back to Sorry, sleep. The film. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even going to apologise because we make more sense than the film does. Um, his laughing, I kind of want to interpret to, interpret that as I was right. It's like yes. the way that I yeah. see time, I'm bang on the money. Here I go, yeah. make my choice. That's it, and and his well, not his last words, but one of the last things he says is to Frank's friend. Go home and tell your folks everything is going to be okay. Well, he's right. Yeah, he's again tingles because that's uh, oh, he's fucking nailed it. He's got it. Um, and Grandma Death, who is present for all of this, there's not a, a sign of surprise. Obviously, you would think even just a reaction to yeah. the gun, nothing. No, nope. because she's seen this all before. She's been waiting for it exactly. Yeah. Um, there's another bit that I really like, um, and it's more of a writing thing. So when. When when Donnie's on the floor with the no, so they've gone to Crazy Lady's house, um, Grandma Death, mm. and they've been met by the bullies who were there looting the place. Um, he's on the floor, and as the car comes, Frank's car comes steaming round the corner. 
the bully's like, what's that? And almost imperceptibly, Donnie's like, it's a deus ex machina. (laughs) Which is, it's a writing thing where it's basically an act of God saves the hero of the story. And it's kind of a get out clause. What's beautiful is that he's acknowledging that this is a deus ex machina. And also, it ain't. Yeah, it, it isn't like, at yeah, all. Not. It doesn't save the day. He is the deus ex machina. He, exactly. And and that's funny because that's the conversation he has with Professor Monotov. Uh, also, just shout out to Noah Wiley, John Carter, ER. We love him. <laughs> um, he, he says, no, Donnie, what you're describing is an act of God. And Donnie obviously disagrees with this. So it is. It's like it's like even yes. the film itself is going. There are different ways to read all of this. Absolutely, totally is. Yeah. So on the subject of God, um, <laughs> things just got real deep. Okay. So there's a, a much maligned nitpick that I read about that at the top of the school, everyone thinks it should say M H S Middlesex High School, but it says I H S, and that's deliberate because IHS is often found under crosses um, as a it's I didn't know this but it's the Greek pronunciation of Jesus um, uh, Jesus or Jesus something like that um, but it's shortened to IHS um, and it's because it's a Catholic school so there is God all over this movie absolutely and as we put up as well when he's kind of getting into the real weeds with Monotov Monitor says, I have to stop this conversation. I could lose my job. Yeah. And it kind of speaks a little bit to, you know, censorship and, you know, what ideas are you allowed to discuss? Well, particularly with students. Exactly. And I am, this is the hypocrisy. I'm going to offend somebody, so I apologize. But the, the hypocrisy of the institution of the church and a lot of religions. So he's fine. He, he knows he can't talk to Donnie about science, but. He's happy to have an affair with one of the teachers. That's fine, as long as nobody knows about it. I don't think that's a secret. They're married. Are they married? Oh, I yeah. thought that was like a reveal at the end. Oh, no. Uh, well, I, sorry, I think it's a reveal at the end, but I don't think it's a secret. Like, they're sitting with each other in the... Uh, you know, they arrive together in the morning. They're sitting with each other at the PTA meeting. Okay, fair um, enough. Okay, well... You might be right. Sorry, I just... I, myself... It didn't shock me when I saw them together. Fair enough. Either way, that's that's the least hypocritical thing. Um, the, the, what's her name? The horrible woman? The Karen? Kitty Farmer. Her, she, she is faced with a literal mountain of en- evidence that Patrick's... Not Patrick Swayze. Mr Cunningham. Not Patrick that Swayze. Mr yeah. Cunningham yeah. is a paedophile. Um, is still happy to defend him. It's blinded. It is... She, her faith in religion is just the same as her faith in Cunningham. It cannot be shaken by fact or proof. It's, nope, he's a good guy. And it has to, he has to be, because her entire world falls apart if he isn't. Because she's now too invested. That's, that's actually, yes, that, that is a, a description of, you know, people who are like this that has come up a lot in the last few years, and I think you know exactly what I'm referring to, which I don't need to say, but, you know, you're so heavily invested in one idea that you you just can't, because if you turn away from it, everything you've based your identity on, you've based your life on, just has to change overnight, and 
by no means am I defending that because I'm not, but I can certainly understand the hesitation to accept that. Some people's brains just aren't designed to get there because it's not comfortable. It It's more important to win the argument than it is to follow the truth. And some people's brains just can't get past that. Yep. And, and it's like, I see this for what it is, but I'm already lost. Yeah, well, I see it for what I want it to be. That's the crucial bit. Yeah. I um, do have a quick question on why the fuck is Cunningham in this so much? Did the school buy him? Yeah, <laughs> because he's now it, presenting it was, the fucking dance show. The talent well, that's contest. That's the well. At the very end... So he's obviously in it. He's one of the first characters introduced. Uh, he and the Doctor wake Donnie up on the golf course. Yeah. So at the end, he's called local author. Uh, so he's obviously the local celebrity. Oh, um, okay. In the, sorry, in the newspaper, local author Jim Cunningham. So, but I was I was the same. I was like, I mean, what is his role in the school? He's going to give a guest talk. He's then obviously, as you say, yeah, he's presenting the 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 talent show, and then like. If he he is absolutely we've seen his house. He charges appearance fee. Oh, yes. What budget did that talent show have? And if the school, you is, know what I mean. So and I think this is deliberate because the school is asking for donations to repair the statue and to repair the school mm. after the flood, but can spunk its money on Captain Perfect Hair. It's yeah. it's that hypocrisy, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah, donate, donate, donate. Uh, and now I'm just going to go and buy this solid gold toilet. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, yeah. religion, don't get me started. Yeah. But, as, as you say, that's that's a whole other podcast. But um, it, it, Funny, so this, unfortunately, Patrick Swayze, no longer with us, um, but he was apparently a joy to work with, which is always lovely to hear yeah, those absolutely. kind of stories. But one of the funniest things is that all of his costumes were clothes he already owned. <laughs> Which I think is brilliant. Um, I think that's brilliant because there is a there's a little element of him playing Patrick Swayze in this. So not playing himself, but playing a person that was maybe famous in the seventies mm. for some reason mm. and has now gone on to a writing career um, and has a dark secret. You can it's it's perfect. I absolutely love it. Did you see that the man this could have come out today because at the Halloween party, somebody is dressed as Cunningham. I didn't see that, no. So, you know, the, I might get this wrong, sorry, if, please correct me if I've got this wrong, but the guy in the white cape that has the mask with the hair? That's Reagan. That's oh, Ronald Reagan. Reagan. I was really yeah. hoping I was a Patrick Swayze mask. That would be, so, it would be, in fact, it would fit it. No, it was, it was Reagan, oh, and I only know that. Shout out to IMDb, thank you for the facts that continue to give us life. I only got that on IMDb. Yeah, it's a Reagan mask and... Because um, he deliberately again, pops because... up four or five times throughout the party. Yes, he does, yeah. Like, it's, it's really prominently shown. Because <sighs> um, I thought that would be perfect. Like, trust the fucking kids to dress up as a paedophile the day after the paedophile is exposed. <laughs> yeah, that's actually... That's spot I mean, on. That is exactly Grim as happen. that sounds... Yeah. Come on, you know it's that is exactly that would what today. would happen. Um, Somebody obviously would, yeah. Um, but uh, it's there's so many, oh, there's so many little bits to this movie. Um, I love that we you, you've mentioned it already. I love the Smurf rant; it's brilliant. Um, the, the effects. So, oh, no, sorry, I was gonna, the effects oh, hold up uh, uh, super well. That's all I'll say on it. 
They do. You're right. Because you were saying as well, it looks like it was made in the 80s, which is obviously... I mean, obviously it was deliberate, yeah. but it suits the style as well. I mean, like... But the knife the, on the glass, the time tunnel is, thing, ooh. doesn't take me out of the movie at all. Not at all. No, not at all. Um, and, I mean, it's... I'm, I'm going to offend all VFX artists here. I just want to say, oh, it's a simple enough thing. Yeah, I can't do it. Just yeah. throw it out there. I can't um, even edit this video, this podcast, into a fucking video for YouTube. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Which you I do promise I will get it there. That's all right. That's good. I promise I'll turn up on time next time. Look, we all say don't, things we don't Yeah, mean. we all say things that um, aren't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, so there's... There's three because this this came up a lot in all of my reading about the film. There's the three things that Jim Cunningham says are barriers to basically living a good life are drugs, alcohol, and premarital sex. And throughout the course of the film, Donnie does all. Now, a cigarette stands in for drugs for Donnie. Yeah, he drinks and he sleeps with Gretchen before he dies. And people people tend to read into that a lot. It's like so was was Cunningham right? <laughs> well, what did you compare him to? <laughs> Which I fucking love. Oh, yeah. So, he's loyal Landley. He, he turns up with a monorail. He is. He's like, yeah. Were you sent here by the devil? No, my friend. No, good sir. I'm on the level. <laughs> it's perfect. It literally is. Because he's got the crowd eating out of the palm of his hand with this yeah. miracle cure for the world. And nobody can see it other than poor Marge Darko. <laughs> Yeah, March Darko, I love it. Um, the ring came off my right. pudding can. <laughs> Take my pen knife, my good man. He's got the solution for yeah. everything. He does, and like, and his his hands. But actually, that's that's another thing. You don't really hear him give any answers. And so, if you think of the people who ask him questions in the assembly, you know, I'm worried about my sister. She overeats, and her sister, you know, obviously is like, please don't talk about me like yeah. this. And he goes, oh, honey, you know. He doesn't answer the question. Come out to the stage. You're afraid. Yeah, exactly. What, These people I, how do I know what I want to be when I grow up? He's an evangelical. That's what he is. He's a, what do you call him? Yeah. The TV people. Um, uh, you, no, you're exactly right. Yeah. Televangelist. Thank you. That's the one. That's exactly what he is. He doesn't need an answer. This is why I hate motivational speaking because it is so much fluff and so little science. Um, positive thinking. No, sorry. Positive thinking doesn't work. Not on his own. Sorry. Next week's guest is just cancelling their... No. Um, like, it's... You're handed it, and, of course, it's through Donnie. It just cuts straight through Jim's bullshit. Oh, I love it. Love it. It's too many times I relate to Donnie, I think. Do, do you know what? Definitely I see it. Help. I see that. Yeah. yeah. Donnie, in this assembly, I think half the episodes... Yes. Now, I had an interesting thought. If Donnie Darko watched this film, he wouldn't like it. He'd love the scene where he tells it's, her to shove the book up her ass. Uh, yeah, well, he'd probably like the scenes with Gretchen as well. But yeah, maybe, yeah. He wouldn't, he wouldn't like how illogical it is and how he would struggle with up it. to your interpretation yeah. it is. He would really struggle with that. He would, he would potentially prefer the special edition, which... He absolutely uh, would. He would like the great. Okay, cut. so it's this, because that's intercut with, again, it's not the one we're discussing, but that's intercut with pages from Roberta Sparrow's book. No, but I think that's fair to, to go on to that now. I think I've pretty much talked about everything I wanted to talk about other than I don't understand the um, the Asian student I can't remember her name she's sorry. the anomaly so that's Charita Chang um, and she's the anomaly because 
you know, there, there's different readings into what she is. Is she an angel? There's there's scenes that cut from, say, the, the an image of the cross at the top of the school cuts to her or she's on her own. And then, of course, there's the, the most blatant one is when she's doing the interpretive dance for the talent show, whereas, you know, she's calling herself Autumn Angel. You know, and she's always, even when she's with people, she's alone. You know, she yeah. literally, she physically blocks her ears with the earmuffs as well. And she has, it's suggested that she is an observer who is watching Donnie. And in the final montage, which I want to wax lyrical about, so I'm just going to mention it really quickly. She's one of the few who are smiling. Interesting. So she's sitting there, she's smiling, and it's just... I like that interpretation. Yeah. I like that. No, it's, as I say, how it fits in is anyone's guess, anyone's business. You know, is she herself a time traveller? Is she... If this was Star Wars, would you call her Force-sensitive? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, wh- I, I think, yeah, tangential to whatever Donnie can do, she's tangential to it. And maybe it's that's even worse because he's got enough clues to put the picture together. Imagine having half or a third of that information. Um, you can imagine putting the headphones on to block to block everything out, block out the universe and block out the world. Um and she's she's obsessed with Donnie, but doesn't understand why. Mm. I, I don't know if there's anything to read into this, but she's CC and he's DD. I don't know if there's anything to that, but Sharita Chang, Donnie Darko. I mean, there's the whole Gretchen calls out and says, you know, oh, like, sounds like a superhero or something. And he goes, how do you know yeah. I'm not? Well, how do you know Sharita Chang isn't as well? So, well, there we go. His superpower is time yeah. travel. Like, he can see through time. Maybe she is the observer. That's her superpower. You know, it's... Yeah. It's now having said all of that, her character is the most superfluous. She doesn't do anything. Yeah, but she's the most superfluous character that I want to keep in a film. I hear ever. You. Yeah, like she does nothing for the plot. There's no reason for her to be there. Don't get rid of her. But she's deadly important. Yeah, yeah totally agree. Totally agree. Um, um, I don't I wanted to acknowledge how much Donnie's mum drinks in this film. She drinks a lot. She has always got a glass of wine in her hand. It's definitely... She is... I think outside of Donnie, she is the deepest character. Now, we don't get as much time with her as we would like. Arguably, we have exactly the right amount of time because we love the character. But yeah. she... You can see where Donnie gets it from, in a way, of the personality traits. You know, she does not suffer fools. She mm-hmm. is diplomatic. Uh, how she speaks with Dr. Thurman and how she speaks with Kitty Farmer. She... Uh, initially... She is quite, you know... Well, she wants to follow the science, doesn't she? So she's happy to do whatever the therapist says, which in a film set in the 80s, or even any film, it's comforting to see a parent if, like, kind of submit to that and say, look, this is not my area. I'm not going to yeah. pretend to know better. I'm paying you for this. I'm going to trust you. If medication is what we need, let's do it. 100%. Like, the... Both her and Eddie Darko, he just has, obviously, he has less to do. They both clearly love their children. And that's yeah. really, it's beautiful to see. Uh, one of my favourite scenes in the film, it's a really short scene, it's the short scene between Rosie Darko and Donnie Darko, where they're just sitting on the edge of the bed together. And he says, how does it feel to have a psycho for a son? And she says, it feels oh, wonderful. I love it. That's a really powerful scene. I love that so much. It's, like, again, acting... Just, just playing it for the back seats while also keeping it understated and yeah. like that to me is how you write a parent 
Yeah, I really, really like it. And it's it's not like they're magical because you've got the dad that is just there. Yeah, and she like, drinks a beer. This isn't, and... Raising the kids isn't really my my thing. And he's funny. It's not, it, we're not told what he does as a business, but he is obviously a businessman who must travel um, because he's out of the picture for the for the night yeah, of the party exactly. as well. So, but, yeah. Um, the montage at the end. Before we, so I was, I was going to, but there's one scene we absolutely have to talk about because mm-hmm. I think, I think we both agreed it is the scene of the film and it's the cinema scene. Yeah, like that is, it's, I mean, all of the answers come out there, don't, well, not all the answers, but. I think all, all the answers that we can concretely say. Yeah. Uh, um. So a couple of things. So one thing really quickly. So, so I said earlier on, let's put a pin in Sam Raimi's name. So Sam yes. Raimi gave them a dig out. He gave them Evil Dead for free for this scene. Um, which is really cool. Which is really cool. It's just it's nice to hear of people helping other people. Richard Kelly must be the nicest fucking man on the planet because everyone wanted to get this film made. Yeah. He had everybody on his side. Yeah. And it was just like, and it was sheer bad luck. You know, obviously, yeah. 9-11 was more than bad luck. But for for this film, it was just like, oh, as you say, everyone put their really? heart and soul into it. Yeah. Everyone gave them a dig out. And then what happened, happened. And it then makes you wonder if there, if, if it was always destined to... Well, it's so fitting with the theme. I don't believe in fate, but it is so fitting with the theme of the film that you kind of, you have to nod to it a little bit, don't you? As I don't believe in fate either. Complete believer in destiny, though. Uh, but uh, oh, that, well, but yeah, that that exchange. Um, I will let you say the line because the line of the film is in this scene. Oh, it's just phenomenal! Why are you wearing that stupid bunny suit? To which he replies, "Why are you wearing that stupid man suit? It's perfect. That go. is, the, it's the perfect response that you would never think of. That um, that exchange like, yeah, you know is what? the cellar door of this film." Yes, Spawn. Yeah, it's a really good way to describe it. Um, we'll come to Salador in a second, actually. Yeah. Um, but it is, he's asked a question that all of us would think is personally uh, perfectly reasonable, but then, actually, that was a very offensive question. I'm sorry, bunny man. Like, I didn't, I didn't come in here asking Gretchen why she's wearing a human suit. No judgment here. Carry on being a bunny. It's just it's it's just that that commentary on just because this is how you view the world doesn't mean it's right or wrong, and potentially you are not what you think you are. Exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, so Celador, Celador. It's yeah. Tolkien was the linguist she is speaking yeah. of, um, who said in all the different permutations and all the different combinations, Celador. Seems to now, be. why is that Celador? Because it just rolled together really well, Celador. It sounds like one word, doesn't it? It does, yeah. It's 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 a nice combination of words. I I like it. Don't know, I mean, like, what does it mean? The cellar door, you go down into the cellar, it's a, you know, a barrier from one place to the next, like any door. Or is it a cell that you adore? Are we all trapped inside a cell and quite happy to be that way? I mean, arguably, yes. Yes, we are. Whatever amount of absinthe he was on, I want it. Oh, yeah, it's like, you know, talking as well. Back in the day, back in the fifties, <laughs> should we do a little bit of cocaine? I think we will. So, disclaimer: was... I am not inferring that Tolkien did cocaine, unless he did. He did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, of course. Then they go through the cellar door, which leads them to their final confrontation. Yes. Which, you know, we've we've discussed. So he does what he does. Gretchen dies. Frank dies. 
Um, he, you know, goes, he sees the wormhole. So the wormhole seems to be either a naturally occurring wormhole. That's, I was going to say, that's probably the most outlandish thing in the film is that there is a naturally occurring wormhole that happens to be sitting over his house. Yeah, but fine. Like, in, in you the don't have a story film? without fine. it. Exactly. Yeah, fine. Um, what I don't like is that if a wormhole, it's the lottery fallacy, if a wormhole can appear anywhere, if it can appear, that means it can appear anywhere. Hmm. So the fact that it appears on Earth is astronomical, but it isn't an act of God. So it's like there's a one in a million chance of winning the lottery. However, if a million people play the lottery, there's a hundred percent chance someone's going to win it. If, I know numbers. I know are what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If all of the combinations, someone has to be that one in a million. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if it's not Earth, why the fuck isn't it Earth? Why not? Cool. It has to happen somewhere in six billion years. Cool. If this happens once every hundred million years, we probably should have had sixty of them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I'm perfectly fine with the wormhole turning up, um, and the fact that I, I think it's it's obviously very fitting that it's Rosie's plane. Like yes. it's the engine that comes off that, you know, it is because it is. It's yeah. the, I don't know what that means, but it means something. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, and you know, do they die in that? Oh universe? yes, they die. Of course, they die. Sorry, but when were you last on a plane that had? The turbine ripped off and survived. Uh, I believe excluding it, lost. You just you, you actually just go. When were you last on a plane? And then just stop the sentence there yeah, because it's been two there. years. Um, but actually, even more than that. So I remember, I don't know when I was much when I was much more sensitive about these things. I remember thinking like, oh no, that plane's going to crash. They're going to die. Hence, obviously, why that was the direct reason why this film didn't do well at the cinema because nobody wanted to. Yeah. Push that. But it's more than that. It's not that that plane dies that entire universe doesn't exist anymore yeah, the whole thing. because Donnie wasn't there to create it exactly um, but also, well no but it, it does it continues it continues but in a but uh, sorry yes it does parallel then, parallel exactly parallel the decisions that put that plane over that I mean arguably that plane was always going to be there because that scheduled flight was always going to be flying through there so yes yeah, exactly um, and then, sorry, yes, closing montage. Yeah, do it. Um, I can't remember it, to be honest. <gasps> I know that... Why is Frank crying? Because... So this is it. So in this montage... So this is where it's not all been a dream. It's that in their dreams, they remember Donnie's universe and Donnie cancelling himself out. It's like, if you can imagine... and So... You get an elastic band, right? So let's say this is the start of the elastic band, which is Donnie's room getting crushed, and he's not there. That starts this process, yeah. right? And the band gets more and more and more taut all the way until Frank dies, Gretchen dies, and the engine yeah. goes back. So that then goes all the way back here. Donnie remembers, but yeah. that, that effect hits everyone who was also affected in that. So we see in the montage, we see the characters we know, but in theory, everyone in the world felt something or another of that other universe. Now, but somebody in, say, Australia didn't meet Donnie, never met Donnie, and therefore we wouldn't get a yeah. montage of them waking up, if you know what I mean. Like That makes sense, yeah. So you have, it's Dr. Thurman is the first one to wake up uh, because she's the she's the adult, I guess, who's been closest to Donnie's truth 
for his for history because she's seen him interact with Frank. She's obviously been through the hypnosis uh, sessions with him, and then you start to see the different reactions. You see Kitty Farmer, who's sitting up mm. in bed, and she's been presented with her challenges re- to her whole face. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you see Jim Cunningham crying in bed. Now, obviously, there's no He's sympathy for this character. Out. Exactly. No. But but exactly but he won't get found out but he knows he's one accident away from being yeah, found it's out it's possible yeah. yeah exactly um you have in that scene as well obviously we talked about Trita Chang she's smiling because she consciously or unconsciously knows what's happened um, yeah. and understands it better than others um you have the so Drew Barrymore is sleeping soundly she's the only one who's sleeping soundly during this montage. Yeah, that's true. Um, Her life really doesn't change, does it? Yeah, she's like, grand, it's cool. Um, And Professor Monotov, who he at least understands the the science behind the lack of science, if you like. Yeah, exactly. So, and then, as you say, right, it comes up to Frank and Frank puts his hand to his eye and he's crying from that eye. Right. Okay, that's so, good. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I never made that connection between them dreaming and that's fair. I like that. Mm. So I just had a really weird thought about um I've forgotten her name, the angel. Sharita Chang. Yeah. So does does she ever tell does she ever, just does she ever say shut up when Donnie isn't there? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. So the first time assume... is at the bus stop, or at the, yeah. I think it's the bus stop. Yeah. Then um, she obviously says it to him in the hallway. No, I think he's always present for that. So we assume he. We assume that she's telling the bullies to shut up. Maybe she's telling him to shut up, and it's he is like pumping out this time energy, and that's what's filling her head, and that's why she's obsessed and. She's smiling because now he's finally shut up for good. He's he's not in this timeline. I, again, that is real. You know, every every reading is valid. So <laughs> I took it as that she's the observer. She doesn't want interaction. Yeah. Don't talk yeah, to me anyone. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. That. Oh no. That's really good. Yeah. I like that. So. And then obviously, yeah, I'm not here to influence anything. Yeah, I am. An which observer. is why yeah. Donnie touching her fucking breaks her entirely. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now again, obviously, then you're like, well, then why does she put on a dance show? It look, it makes as much sense as anything. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, Maybe it was compulsory for every student to participate. He's like, so, people have asked, like, why didn't Donnie go and see his sister perform? Well, because he's been banned from all after-school activities. And yeah, yeah makes so sense. It's like, oh, okay, no, that ties that one up in a bow. Yeah. So big differences between the director's cut. It's just over-explained in the right. in the special. So it's. Um, so Gretchen is sort of like if she's the catalyst but she's also the reason he's stuck on the path he's on so yeah. alive I mean um, what else then you have Frank is the time traveller I think in the special right. edition as opposed to Donnie uh, Donnie is trapped basically he's basically Donnie's doomed from the start in which arguably he is in both versions but uh, just actually, do you know what? Screw the special edition for a second. If Donnie is doomed from the start, then this film is like the universe's way 
of helping him come to terms with it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So instead of just cutting you off, bam, done. Yeah. We're going to give you a bit of closure. Yeah. You know, and you know, purge style, do whatever you want at that time. You want to murder a guy? Go for it. Have sex, do drugs, drink. It's like, fine. Yeah, there is that logic of because the world is coming to an end, his actions get more and more extreme the closer he gets to T minus zero. Mm. Exactly. Culminating in the murder of another human being. Um yeah. and which is whatever way you look at it. Wrong. It was clearly an accident. Oh, yeah. I mean it was so off the cuff that he shoots him as well. Yeah. And it's I so like spontaneous. That, it's do you know what it is spontaneous? And it's completely in the context of the movie because I know you don't believe in fate, yeah. but it's fate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but from, from when he picks up the gun, the time travel bubble takes him to the gun. He's picked exactly. it up. The course is set. Yeah. I mean, so we've sat here now for nearly an hour and a half, so nearly the length of the movie and yeah. talked about the movie. And yes. there's many, many movies where you can sit down and talk for hours away about it. But even in this, I feel like we've both answered a load of questions and asked yeah. a whole load of new ones that don't have answers as well. Correct, but it's it's a credit to the film that it poses a ton of questions that aren't so um, avant-garde and out of the blue that can't be thought about. So if you watch just a series of images and then like, oh, it's a carrot, it's a house, it's Germany, like, and then you're asked to make some logic from it, I hate that shit. It doesn't mean anything. This as convoluted as it is, is a story that you can take a lot out of and you can you can interpret it in lots of different ways, but it gives you enough clues to get to a satisfying ending. Mm. Yes. I'm happy with my interpretation and I'm happy that my interpretation probably isn't a million miles off from what is written on screen. Well that's like that's I'm sure like Richard Kelly has his interpretation. Um there's a funny thing I read that apparently at the rap party Seth Rogen and Jake Gyllenhaal apparently met over a drink and just went do you have any idea what this film is about nope nope uh, which is just that's... I like I like your boobs that's it yeah Seth Rogen's just like that's fine and he's done okay for himself since um, he's done pretty well that last I suppose the last point on people remembering is obviously the closing shot really is uh, Rose and Gretchen wave at each other because they know each other but they don't yeah they've both had the same dream yeah. That's it, yeah. Exactly, which is bizarre. Yeah. But the, the bit that takes me out a little bit well, is the, the little kid waving. Cause I'm like, it was a bit just, too... Yeah, exactly, just cut just the scene. joining in. Just yeah. cut him out, doesn't need it. It's Was that done for a laugh? I think it must be. It must be. Oh, yeah, just going to join cool. in and wave. What? So, uh, <laughs> oh, so, You know what, Sean? Thank you for picking Donnie Darko. I'm really glad I watched it again. Um, I appreciated it much, much more this time. Um I'm interested to see five years from now if I've seen it again and what I think. I think I'll enjoy it even more. Um, so yeah, I, I take back the Twitter hate. <laughs> That's, I, I love that it's a film that can both inspire hate and love. With and it, it, yeah. when you hit play, it's the same film. You know, exactly. What I mean? exactly. Everyone's watching the same thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody should hate it. I don't think it's worthy of anybody's hatred because you can't say it's a poorly made film. It just sometimes you're just not in the mood for a film that breaks your brain that way. That's and this is exactly. I think I think I was saying this to you as well. I think we were saying earlier on. We were sitting there and we were both. I think going like, 
oh man, I'm kind of feeling the length a little bit. It's because it's a Sunday night. It is not a film you just kind of <laughs> stick on in the background. If anything, we should have started this morning, 9am, fresh as a daisy, with cups of coffee, watching right, the Italian right. dubbed version. Uh, Sean, why couldn't we have started at 9 o'clock this morning? Technically, we could have. Technically. Technically. Yes. Technically. Yeah, I was awake at 9 o'clock this morning, but you see, peasant, my day was somewhat reversed to yours. I was going to bed at 9 yes, o'clock this morning. You, you, were, you were in hour 29. <laughs> I really was. Yeah, no, I was. I think I got up uh, Saturday, Saturday morning at about 11 o'clock because it's Saturday, so, you know, took my time. There'd be, I know there'd be people who'd be horrified to hear that I've wasted half the day. Uh, but it's all right, because I got the hours back. Um, yeah, you fucking did. <laughs> yeah, right the way through. I had oh, a dear. ball, but, my God. Kids, yeah. don't drink. Don't uh, do that. Don't Please do that. don't. Yeah. Don't, don't drink, have premarital sex, and listen to Mr Cunningham talk about fear and love. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> That's, um, that scale is utter bullshit, by the way. A complete and utter. Yeah, it, it, it's yes, either with the fear spectrum or the love spectrum. Shut up. Bullshit. I'm so glad they address, or Donnie addresses, every bit of bullshit and deconstructs it. I feel like that was Richard Kelly taking it a bad experience. Exactly, yeah. Which is exactly what I would do if I ever made a film. The protagonist would take apart this bullshit. But this is a film about something. No, 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 no. Hang on. No. My film, we're taking a few minutes to do this. Yes. Um, give me a minute. So look, I think so, we've probably covered everything there. So I just want to say thank you for obviously uh, not tearing into it. But it was great because I could see uh, we we do these things. We watch the film and we have a, a Zoom window open as we go. So we could see each other's reaction, which is the best thing to do in this plague-ridden world. And I could yeah. see you almost getting more and more into it as mm-hmm. it went along. And I was like, yes. I went in fully open-minded. Um, it's something I try to do a lot more. As I've reached my thirties, <laughs> is put my leave my prejudices at the door and leave my preconceptions at the door and try everything fresh. Yeah. Um, and I'm really glad I have. Like, there's no position I have that isn't open to evidence or being proved wrong if the facts are there. So yeah, I I would say I've gone from I don't like Donnie Darko to I like it. There you go. That's. And that's a big jump, but that's I'm not going to watch it for a little while. <laughs> and I think, yeah, fair. I won't be, won't be doing a three in a week one like oh, I did before. No, I'm too it old. Gives me the, yeah. gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> it really fucking does, especially the the Mad World at the end. It's that perfect for edge. this film. It's perfect, absolutely word perfect, but it puts me on edge. <laughs> don't don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, because I'm going to have to edit that in now. I'm going to have to edit it in. Right now, I Mad think... World is playing. Oh, right. Right, okay. Um, Ian, what movie are yes. we doing next? Right, this is a hard left turn. Next week it's my turn, and I I still don't know why. I know why I picked this. I fucking love this film. It's David Finch's Panic Room. Yay. I, before escape rooms were a thing, this film is the... Is, I know I've done single location for Locke as well, mm. but this is my second favourite single location film. The majority of it is in yeah. the house. If you haven't seen it already, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I don't think people really talk about this film at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, watch it, talk to us on Twitter, Panic Room. I love it. I will not hear a bad word said about this film. Great. But it isn't. it's not deep, it's not meaningful, but I watch it probably twice a year. Cool. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, 
I, I have seen the film, but I'm looking forward to watching it. I, I saw it, I think, when it came out. Yeah, that's fair. So, yeah, that'll be that'll be good. Um, thanks for joining us on Twitter, talking about um, the film again. Hopefully we do the same over the next week. Um, if you've missed it, we just did a Wonder Woman review last week. Um, sorry, Sunday, so a few days ago. So yeah. if you have seen it, go and have a listen as well. We have thoughts. They're not positive. <laughs> ah, there's a mix-ish. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening this week, and we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies. I, at least, would love to hear your thoughts on the episode. Sean couldn't care enough to record this with me. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at EnglishIrishGTM, email us at anenglishmanandanirishman at gmail.com, and check out our website, www.anenglishmanandanirishman.wordpress.com, where you'll find all of our previous episodes. You'll find me on Twitter at Galactic underscore Dave, and you'll find Sean at Sean Ferrick. Thanks for being awesome, and we love you very much.